Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. say that Kyrie is that much better than Kemba that we're going to be giving up a first round pick uh sending Batum their way and then taking on these players that are really not going to be that much of a factor and first off I, I think Kemba fits our team our culture a whole lot better our offensive style you know the pick and pick and rolls that we run that is that is Kemba's bread and butter and we saw that last year with the way that uh, he scored out of the pick and roll You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners, Queen City Hoops readers, and Hornets fans. It has been a minute, probably about a month since we've been with you, so we're happy to be back. Um, we're back for the 33rd episode of BuzzBeat Radio. Uh, like I said, it's been about a month since you've heard from us. Uh, I think all of us have been trying to enjoy the summer a bit and take a breath while the NBA's uh, lightest time of the year happens. Um, Charlotte has been pretty busy the past few weeks. There's some Kyrie Irving stuff that we need to uh, address, is the way I would say it. Uh, and then plenty more, probably looking forward, really, for the Hornets and all that's coming uh, this coming season in this show. All right, so BuzzBeat is your go-to listen for everything Charlotte Hornets. So you, if you haven't already, make sure that you make it a habit to be with us for every single episode. Listeners, don't forget, BuzzBeat Radio is a proud member of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. Please check out almightyballer.com for all other great shows covering the rest uh, and every corner of the NBA on almightyballer.com. Brian. It's been about a month, man. I was saying earlier before we jumped on live here, it's it's like the crew got back together. I was starting to like have anxiety when I woke up in the morning because I was like, golly, I haven't haven't gotten yeah. on a podcast with my boys in a while. I haven't talked to any Hornets, but here we are. We're back. How's your summer been, man? It's good, man. Uh, did you guys make any friends at a summer camp or anything like that this summer? Uh, read any good books? Anything like that? No, not, but uh, no. That's what I'm going to tell you about. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, things are things are very good uh, here in Raleigh. Busy-ish, not not quite like it was, you know, a uh, couple months ago in the playoffs and leading up to the draft and stuff like that. But uh, taking a couple trips, and uh, but no, it's, it's good to have hoops back. I know everyone's getting psyched for football season and stuff, and and I'm over in the corner itching for for hoops to, uh, talk and discussion and stuff. So. Uh, you know, you know, fiends are going to fiend. So, uh, but it's good. It's good to be back and I'm um, pumped to, to talk some Hornets with y'all. So if you guys didn't, I mean, Brian, what is this, Richie? This is like the set in the third episode, fourth episode that Brian's been with us full time here as a co-host. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds yeah. about right. So if you guys didn't know, Brian is uh, a member of sports channel eight, 
which I know I've mentioned on the show before. So if I haven't checked that out, please go check that out. But I just wanted to give Brian a, a few seconds to kind of paint more of a better, uh, more uh, transparent light on Sports Channel 8, what it is, what they do over there, because they do a great job. So, Brian, just take a few seconds to talk about Sports Channel 8. Yeah, Sports Channel 8 is a, uh, is a 24-hour news network, and, and I'm serious when I say that. 24-hour news network uh, here in North Carolina. Uh, we cover everything sports, semi-sports related in the state. Where we were incredibly loyal to all the ACC schools in the state, all the pro teams, like, of course, the Hornets, the Hurricanes, the Panthers. Uh, we have a website, sportschannel8.com, a Twitter account, at sportschannel8 on Twitter. Uh, this is something that started a couple of years ago. Two guys, Ben Swain. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He's a very funny guy and, and a good college basketball follow. And Hayes Permar, who at the time was the producer of the David Glenn Show, which is a sports talk radio show. Uh, these two guys, it was kind of their baby probably, I don't know, three, four years ago uh, to kind of come up with it. It started out as kind of this like parody sort of Twitter account. And they, over the last couple of years, have recruited a few other like local media guys from the Triangle area that have either – worked in sports media or still currently do uh, to kind of make this a little bit more of a, le- a legitimate news operation. So again, we cover all the teams in the state. Uh, we like to take ourselves not so seriously, but we take the sports themselves. Um, we've been credentialed for a bunch of events around the state, including ACC championship uh, for football, ACC tournament for basketball. Some of the guys are actually going to be close to Rick, uh, Richie's neck of the woods next week for the PGA championship. Oh, yeah. Down in Quail Hollow. I know Hayes is going to be there. I think another one of the Josh Goodson will be down there. Again, too, also, if you're in the, the triangle, we're going to be doing tailgates for football games this season, too. Uh, we bet we went out and got a uh, tailgating tent this summer. So we're going to be out here. Come, you know, follow us on Twitter, uh, go to the website, subscribe to the news, whatever you want to do. Uh, we're, you know, we're trying to become the, the, you know, really, you know, very serious news operation here covering sports here and, uh, in North Carolina videos, uh, podcasts, whatever you want, we try to cover it all. And, uh, it's a good group of guys to work with. So I think if you follow our content, you'll really enjoy it. It's great stuff. Before I knew Brian, before I knew Hayes, before I knew Ben, before I knew any of those guys, and really, I just know Brian actually really well. Um, I was a big fan of Sports Channel 8 because it's hilarious. I like ACC hoops, but those guys cover everything. So if you haven't checked it out yet, it's an absolute must, especially if you live in the Carolinas or really in, in the ACC uh, region. They're awesome. They're good friends at Queen City Hoops. That's going to continue. So I just kind of want to take a minute to give those guys a shout out because, number one, they delivered us Brian Geisinger, uh, who is really the, the <laughs> muscle of this show now. And number two, they're just awesome. So please go check them out. Richie. They, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, no I was going to say one last thing. They were nice because they were the first guys to ever let me write about the NBA for them, too. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what I would. I would be doing something. I would not be doing this podcast with you guys right now. Right. Uh, Sports Channel 8. So that uh, shout out. It's cool. And enough Richie. about Sports Channel 8 now. Yeah. No, no, no. N- never enough about Sports Channel 8 because, they d- again, they delivered us you, Brian. So oh, for that, man. we are forever in debt to Sports uh, Channel 8. It's quite the debt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, long time no talk, my friend. How's the summer of a school teacher treating you? 
It's coming to an end. Coming to an end. Whenever August hits for a teacher, it just kind of speeds up twice the speed. And we're, I'm going to be in my classroom in about a week and a half now. I mean, not school doesn't start till the 28th uh, of August, but we have to get in there for some work days and some trainings and stuff like that. It's uh, it's coming to an end. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Um, you know, obviously basketball is, is not happening right now, so the, it's a kind of a dead period. So today's today's episode is going to be all over the place, kind of a hodgepodge. A mess of topics that we're going to get to. I, th- I think we should start though. Uh, we'll save the Kyrie for for later on. We'll get to that a little bit later. I think we should probably start with Briante Weber, the waiving of his 1.5 million dollar contract, which became guaranteed on August 1st. And then we worked out a tons of point guards, uh, just to name a few: Norris Cole, Donald Sloan, Isaiah Cannon, Demetrius Jackson, who signed a two-way contract with Houston Rockets. We also worked out Marcus Page and some others as well. So we did end up signing Marcus Page to a two-way contract. He's not necessarily our third point guard because he won't. He'll be in Greensboro for the for the most of his stint here. So I guess I just kind of want to start off. What are your thoughts on waving, waving uh, Weber? Do you think that was the smart thing to do? Do you mind it? And maybe kind of talk about Marcus Page in terms of what you know his role will be here in Greensboro. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think that the Weber uh, waving, I mean, again, Richie, like you said, he had a guaranteed date on his contract, just like Johnny O'Brien did as uh, of August 1st. It has nothing to do with anything with the salary cap. Um, I think it has everything to do with the fact that Weber just, quite frankly, doesn't show any promise to really be a point guard in the NBA. I don't think long term. He does some things really well. Uh, I think the thing that sticks out the most that he did really well again in summer league, he was tied for first in all of Orlando summer league and stills. Uh, I mean, that guy can really guard the ball. He can bother the ball. He can guard it 90 feet. Um, you know, he's a defensive hound uh, that I think any coach could fall in love with. But outside of that, there's just really not a lot, a lot to love with him. He's lost his explosiveness. He can't shoot threes. Um, he really can't run an offense. He doesn't have great vision or feel for the game running an offense. I like him as a player. I really do. Cause he plays hard. So I'm, I'm not beating up the guy, but his, his life in the NBA, I think has probably come to an end with, with being waived by the Hornets here. So again, I, I think this is just more of a, Hey, you're not good enough and less of a, any kind of cap implication. Um, real quickly, I've narrowed it down to two names of all those guys that the Hornets worked out. And I'm interested to, you know, just kind of see what, what names pop to you guys. Um, Donald Sloan and Norris Cole are kind of the two guys that I'm focusing on at this point, uh, because the Hornets will sign a third point guard. I'm not right. really sure what's taken so long, but they, they will sign. Uh, they have one more uh, roster acquisition to make this summer at some point. I mean, I think Sloan, he's 29 years old, played in China last season. His team advanced to the finals. Um, you know, he, he really had a great year. I think he was fourth in the league in assist. He's a career 31 three-point shooter, so 31% three-point shooter. So not a lot to love there he, from behind the arc. He's improved for like the past three or four years, though. He shot like in the mid-30s, I would say, the past three or four years. But yeah, career-wise, it's not too good. You're right. He has. That's that's a great point. He really has. And I just trust him the most. I, I like what he did with his years with Cleveland. And he had a good, really, quite frankly, his last stint in the NBA with, with Brooklyn was pretty good. Yeah. I think he's the best and most reliable veteran uh, of anyone that the Hornets tried out. Um, and, and quite frankly, the other guy that he's compared with, Norris Cole, at least in some of the notes that I took, he's just 
you just look at the numbers across their careers, and Sloan is clearly the better player. Sloan has a career uh, PER of about 12. Um, I don't even think Coles was in double digits. Um, and Norris Cole, I mean, let's just go to him real quick. He effectively didn't even play last season. He was with Oklahoma City, uh, signed in March, played very, very little. Um, a little bit better of a shooter from behind the arc when you look at career numbers, about 32.5%. Not much, But though. I just think not much. Uh, defensively, he's an absolute waste of space. Um, and, and, you know, I, I actually liked Norris Cole when he was drafted by Cleveland back in the day, and he just never blossomed in, in, into anything. I think you were the Hornets, and you're going to make a move here, which they will. They're going to sign a third-point guard again. I think Donald Sloan, being a veteran, being pretty much every stop he's been at, gives you about what you expect. Like, what else could you really ask for at the third point guard slot? It's going to be a minimum contract, which he would happily take to get back in the NBA. I I don't know. I just think you don't overcomplicate this if you're the Hornets. If you have to play that guy minutes, it should probably be a veteran. BG, anything on this? Um, Or BG, this. Are there any other names other than the ones that I said? And then give me some insight if if it's different than what, what I gave on those two guys that maybe we should focus on for the Hornets with this last roster acquisition. Yeah, I'll get to Sloan and Cole here in a second and uh, which of those two guys I prefer. But one of the names I'd like to throw out, and this is a name that uh, I know some Hornet circles on the online were kicking around too, uh, Isaiah Cannon, uh, who I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by a little bit. He had a bad shooting season last year for the Bulls, but I'm kind of willing to throw that out just because that team was a disaster as far as shooting goes, a, a black hole. And really, regardless of whatever shooting metric you want to use, one of the five, four or five worst shooting teams in the NBA and thinking of the guys he played with Rondo and Wade Carter Williams, et cetera. So looking back a couple of years ago uh, in 2015, 2016 with Philadelphia, he shot 40% on a uh, catch and shoot threes, almost 300 attempts, uh, 299 and he shot 40% that season on corner threes, uh, 102 attempts. That's pretty good. The year before that, in 2014, 2015, also with Philadelphia, Cannon shot 43% on pull-up threes. That was actually number one in the NBA wow. for players with at least 100 attempts. Um, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and Clay Thompson were the only three other players in the league that season to shoot better than 40% on pull-up threes. So, that again, I know that's not... I know shooting from the corners and pull-up threes is not really maybe the, 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 the primary metrics we need to look at when evaluating a third point guard. And maybe Cannon's a little bit of a chucker, so we're worried if if Kemba or, or, or Carter Williams went down. And notice I'm not calling him MKG tonight, by the way. But, like, if one of those guys <laughs> if, if one of those guys went down, you know, I don't know if Cannon could be the guy that could kind of come in and help run stabilize the second unit for a little bit, but I'm willing to kind of to bet on scoring and shooting. That that's just kind of my 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 own personal preference. You know, and, I'll jump in. I'll jump in real quick because yeah. that's not. I really like that point. It's not something I thought about yet. Like with that roster spot, that is effectively, and we'll talk about this later. Like maybe the 13th, 14th, right, 12th, maybe guy in our rotation. Like. Why not think outside the box and say, let's not think point guard. Let's think of like guy that can be kind of versatile. And not only that, Brian, but 
Isaiah Cannon could play with Michael Carter Williams. Totally. Because, yep. because defensively, you know, Carter Williams can obviously play against the two and you can hide Cannon elsewhere. That's easier with a guy like Carter Williams opposed to a guy like Kimba, where obviously those two can't play together. So, you know, I'm really glad you brought up his name and I have not thought about it that way, but having, I just consider Cannon to be a gunner, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, right. but it's right. just like, if the Hornets suffer an injury to Kimba Walker, they got to have a point guard. And yeah. if, if if Carter Williams were to get injured at some point in the season and somehow Kim is not 100 percent, now you are shit down the creek. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and that's what makes me nervous. But I haven't thought about it in the way you're explaining it. So I just want to jump in and say I think that's a great point. Yeah, like a, like a, almost like a similar role to what Troy Daniels did in years past. Just kind of like a microwave guy that's a little further down the bench. He's not going to please not a part of the every night rotation, but he can maybe come in. And again, the Hornets could use uh, another shooter too. But as far as the guys you mentioned, Donald Sloan and Norris Cole, I, I would prefer Sloan. I really liked Cole when he first broke into the league with Miami. Uh, I thought he was a decent mid range shooter and, and not, not a bad on ball defender. And that kind of up tempo defense that the, those LeBron heat teams played. Um, but I'd rather place, I'd rather have Sloan. He was pretty good on offense a couple of years ago for Brooklyn. Just looking at some of the some of his quick numbers that year, he shot thirty eight percent above thirty eight percent on threes. And uh, the only reason it would have been higher if he had taken fewer pull up threes because that season uh, he took over one point three catch and sh- he took one point three catch and shoot three pointers per game and shot forty three point four percent, which is not not a bad clip. So I think uh, I, again I, I like that I like the the shooting bonus that he provides there. And I just think I'd I'd like him more as my third point guard than Cole, who I think is is kind of on is kind of on fumes as far as his NBA career goes. And I'm not biased against North Cole because he helped knock Wake Forest out of the 2009 NCAA tournament too. <laughs> I swear, I promise that's not that's not, I'm not holding a grudge uh, eight years later. So I would take Sloan of those two. I'm I'm with you guys. I, I think I favor Sloan as well. I, I, it's funny to me. I, I always viewed Cole as this like three point shooter, but when you compare his career numbers to Sloan, it's really not that much difference. You know, he's he's a career thirty-two point thirty-two percent shooter. Cole, that is. Sloan's not that much farther behind him. And I guess you guys were talking about you know maybe getting Cannon in there as, as another scorer. But when I, I guess I guess when I view a th- third point guard, I view as someone that does dress up but really doesn't play that much. He's a, he's a safety valve point guard type of player, and Sloan's that type of guy. You know, he's, he's a bigger point guard. Very fundamentally sound, uh, gets others involved. Uh, not last year because he was in China, but the year before, he was seventh in the league in assist to turnover ratio. So you know he's a smart player. Um, you know he's obviously behind guys like Conley, CP3, uh, Calderon, and Rubio. Those were kind of the, some of the players above him in that assist to turnover ratio. But you know he's a smart player if he's high up on that list. He's going to get others involved. Um, but yeah, I would lean Sloan. I just think it's weird, like you said, Spencer, earlier. Like, we've worked out all these guys, but we've not signed this third point guard yet. I wonder, are they looking elsewhere out of those seven or eight players that we looked at? Or is it just some type of salary or money thing? So it's funny, and actually this is probably a good segue, um, to talk about the two-way deals that the Hornets did yesterday. But I, And I didn't know this until I actually read some of the salary cap minutiae. Uh, yesterday, the Hornets signed Isaiah Hicks to a training camp deal, but they couldn't. No team can sign a training camp deal until I think fourteen. Yeah, until fourteen players are on the roster. So Marcus Page and 
I'm just going to say his last name, Mathiang, and the rest will come with time. Mango. Mango. <laughs> Mango. You're... You're just like a yeah pronunciation czar here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you know this stuff, yeah. but uh, anyways, Mango, Mathiang, and Marcus Page were signed to two day or yes, two excuse me, two two way contracts yesterday. So, so those two moves happened before the Isaiah Hicks um, training camp move happened. It's because you can't tra- again you can't sign a training camp guy until you have 14 players on the roster. So I just don't like why wouldn't they just make one of those moves, this third guy there, this third point guard. I don't understand really what's taking so long, uh, to, to make that happen. It could have something to do with overseas negotiations going on. Yeah. You know, maybe Donald Sloan has some kind of deal in China next year right. and there's a buyout that they're negotiating. Yeah. You know, who knows what it all is, but it's a little bit unsettling. The Hornets just can't figure out after what it's been a week over a week since they had this audition for yeah. the third point guard. Um, but anyways, we'll find out soon enough. Um, let's talk about the Marcus page, the Mathiang two way. I mean, we can talk about it if you guys want, but I want to talk about the Marcus page two way contract for a second real quickly. Uh, I don't totally understand it. I don't think this guy has shown anything. I mean, I know a lot of ACC fans, sports channel, a fans, maybe sorry, Brian will get angry at me, but I I just, I I don't, I don't understand this. This guy has shown nothing Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to prove he's a point guard. And he has to play point guard. He's six yeah. one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're not talking about an Isaiah Cannon like Gunner. Like yeah, he's a good shooter, but he's not that type of explosive player with the ball in his hands. And uh, I mean, I think he averaged two, not even two and a half assists with Salt Lake's uh, or the Jazz's right. D League affiliate yeah. last season. I, I don't, I don't really understand this one. Like you get two two way contracts to use if you're an NBA team and waste it on a guy like Marcus Page who's 24 years old and really hasn't proved anything uh, in terms of playing point guard at this point of his career, I'm a little confused. But whatever, it's a two-way contract. You know who I'm intrigued by? I don't know what his status is. It's another North Carolina guy. He's another lefty, uh, Kendall Marshall. Um, You know, I was comparing his stats with with Marcus Page of last year, and he averaged 15 points per game. That's three up from Marcus. He averaged uh, nine assists per game. That's seven up from Marcus. And he averaged four rebounds per game, which is two up from Marcus. And he shot the ball better, uh, maybe not from three, but just from the field in general. And I, I, I've always loved Kendall Marshall. I, I, I hate the Tar Heels, uh, but I've always loved Kendall Marshall, just the way he distributes the basketball. Um, I don't know if I would love him as a third point guard, maybe. Uh, but I, I don't know what his status is on the market. I don't know if he's a free agent still. I, I believe he is. I don't think he's signed with any team. But that's the type of guy that I would love to see on our team either as that two-way we can't do that anymore uh or maybe as that third point guard but yeah marcus page just doesn't do it for me he's he's thin um he shoots the ball pretty well but other than that i don't really know what he does yeah and to be honest with you his summer league performances weren't like didn't inspire a lot of confidence either like i'd not like it's not like he in vegas went bonkers and you were like oh we have to have this guy um and, and really page is just kind of a weird he had a weird college career he peaked as a sophomore. I mean, he was the best guard in the ACC probably in 2014. And then the last two years after that, I mean, he really like his last season, uh, two years ago, UNC Joel Berry was the better, was the, was the better point guard not, or the better guard. Now I, I don't even know Joel Berry is in, is a pro is any sort of pro prospect, but, uh, yeah, Paige, I mean, I guess he shot the ball from deep uh, decently last year, almost 36%, but everything else, uh, I mean, it's just, it's tough to it's tough to see a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of positives in it 
And I, I, I'm, I'm surprised this guy's a fringe NBA player. Uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll do well in Greensboro, and he'll certainly help sell some tickets uh, for the Swarm. But uh, I, uh, other than that, it's like tough. And look, I'm, I'm, maybe that is a bigger part of the decision-making process yeah. than I'm, I'm expecting it to be. And, and if that's the case, that's cool. But as far as I mean, I think this. I just don't think he's even a fringe NBA player. But by definition, he is now. So uh, we'll see how it goes in Greensboro. Um, my my uh, my expectations are are not not so high for Marcus. Uh, great guy. The local media in the Triangle here loves Marcus, and like almost to a fault. Like there's sports writers in this area that would jump off a bridge if if if, if Paige asked them to. So. Uh, everyone here was celebrating it recently, and I was just kind of like, "Oh, oh, yeah, cool." Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, awesome that he's a great guy. But uh, yeah, and Brian, you hit it on the head. Like, there, I mean, I, I I really am appreciative that he's a good guy. But uh, there's a business side, like you said, even to the G League, and Greensboro has to sell tickets. They're just not this affiliate. That gets you know is able to just hemorrhage money every single day. They have to sell tickets. Marcus Page will help them do that. Uh, it's another Tar Heel that Michael Jordan can can tack his name onto with his franchise, just like Isaiah Hicks is. I actually think Hicks has some potential. That's kind of a different deal. He's only a training yeah. camp guy, but look, it's just at a point like it just gets a little bit ridiculous with Michael Jordan and these <laughs> North Carolina guys. Like I'm sorry, like yeah. it's just it's so obvious that. And I don't know, people like I'm as big of a Hornets guy as you guys are, but he's he's reaching in your pockets and stealing your money and, and trying to sell you this false hope that Marcus Page is going to play in the NBA. He, he isn't and he's not going to play for the Hornets. That's yeah. why I was afraid to mention Marshall. Yeah, <laughs> the, I'll, I'll also throw this out, too, about Matthew Yang. Um, I mean, I don't think we're going to see much of him with the, the, the Hornets last next year, but he was a fifth year senior. So like he's played in, in the, the you know the he's played in three different conferences including the ACC and the Big East and the American and the AAC but he's played a lot of minutes for Rick Pitino teams and he's a good pick and roll guy like go queue up some of those Donovan Mitchell workout you know those highlight tapes that you watch before the draft and you'll see twelve setting a lot of those screens for him including in the win against Kentucky. Uh, last November or December, whenever that was. So maybe they see some sort of in- intrigue there with him as like a screen roll guy. Um, that was my one sort of thought about uh, why they were intrigued by Matt Yang. And it, both are uh, both two ways are a little bit perplexing. Anyways, I don't really expect to see, I mean, minus some serious injury trouble for the Hornets. I don't expect to see either one of those guys in the yeah. NBA for the Hornets at any point this season. If if they if they do show up, it's not going to be for long. Maybe a week because yeah. of an injury. All right, Johnny O'Brien. Let's talk about that. Uh, a little bit of a surprise, maybe for some folks, that the Hornets went ahead, guaranteed his one point five million dollar contract for this coming season. He will be a member of the Charlotte Hornets all season. Um, let's throw it to you first, Richie. Your your initial thoughts when the Hornets went ahead, guaranteed his salary. I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, I, from what I saw in summer league, it was uh, it was kind of inconsistent. Like we talked about previous episode, he's he's a he's a guy that likes to shoot on the perimeter uh, for a power forward. And like I said, he does have a little bit of wiggle with him down low for a fifth big on this team. I'm fine with it, especially at the one point five million dollars. Um, whether or not he'll see a lot of playing time this year, I I doubt it. Um, and there might be some games that he just doesn't even suit up. So. 
I'm okay with it. I mean, maybe they just weren't even looking at the bigs in terms of the free agent market. They're trying to focus their attention on the third point guard, which they still haven't signed. But um, I guess they just saw enough in him, which is fine. I think he's fine for a fifth big. So I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. He had, that, he had the good game against Denver last year. Um, maybe you think there's some intrigue with him as a, as a big guy that could maybe – you know, if he could shoot a little bit better from, you know, he certainly likes to shoot from out there. So maybe he could shoot a little bit better. Uh, maybe you think you could, you could find something. I generally like to get defense uh, out of the, out of the kind of like backup big guy center, you know, borderline center type players. And, and I think there are some better options out there um, in unrestricted free agency, but uh, that they could get for the minimum. But you know what, if, if you think there's some sort of culture, you know, you, you get, you bring guys in and you give them a 10 day and, they stick around for a little bit and then you feel like there's some value to keeping them around for, for the next season or whatever. Uh, I, I mean, fine. Again, if, if J.O.B. ever has to play huge minutes for this team, I, they, they, have, they have much bigger problems than that. Uh, there just there were some other sort of uh, other big guys like Jeff Whitty, Tyler Zeller that I, that I was a little more intrigued by as far as uh, guys that could come in and, and, and play you know, be your third, 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 your sixth big guy, your third center or whatever. But uh, I'm fine with the, uh, the JLB, uh, I guess not signing, but, uh, but, you know, guaranteeing. Yeah. I mean, similar to what you guys just said, I mean, I'm fine with it. I I actually have always been a little bit, um, intrigued by O'Brien's skill set. I mean, I think he has a unique modern skill set, uh, for a big, he's a willing three point shooter. He took 21 of them in summer league only made seven of them. But I mean, look, I mean, he's a guy who's still young enough to where you can kick the tires on him. Um, say, hey, look, if if we get two bigs hurt this season and we we have to resort to giving him minutes, and what if a guy like this pops? He's still young enough to like where we have rights on him. I don't even know what kind of rights they have on Job. Probably just early bird. But I yeah. mean, you still have restrictive rights on him to where you can bring him back, right? And I think he provides enough to you look at him, you look at his age, and say. Let's just, let's just see, you know, let's keep him in here. They obviously like him enough in the locker room to say he's not a distraction or anything like that. Let's just see what happens. So I'm fine with it. It's a minimum contract in essence. And, um, he will be a member of the Charlotte Hornets for the remainder of this season, or excuse me, for the whole upcoming season. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk, let's, let's talk about real quick. Let's just kind of try to narrow down the rotation. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in a text conversation earlier, I'll start and I'll just list my top 10. I mean, maybe we can do it like that, or I can list mine and we can debate it. However you guys want right, but right now. Here's what, here's what I've got really in my top 10. Okay. Kimba, Nick Batum, MKG, Marvin Dwight. Okay. They're my, my starters right. as of today. All right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just list them in the order. I've really got them ranked right now. I would say Zeller, Frank Kaminsky, uh, Jeremy Lamb, Michael Carter Williams, Malik Monk. And that's really where I cut it off as the 10 that will probably get playing time day one. Um, I would even say, I don't even know where Monk stands. We know Steve Clifford's uh, deal with rookies in the past. So it might cut off with Carter Williams right before Monk. And that could be our nine-man rotation. And Monk gets in there, you know, game 10 to 15, something like that. But that's what I've got. Let's kind of hear what you guys think about that or Richie. What do you have in, in terms of that? I mean, I got the same starting five. I think that's kind of expected. Um, you know, I personally, I like Zeller starting, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. So in terms of six through nine or six through 10, mine differs a little bit. Now it's, 
it's not what I think is going to happen, but what I would kind of prefer. Yeah, Zeller, six man. He's gonna he's gonna get some starter minutes or close to it. Uh, Kaminsky, I, I would probably put him at seven two, like you did. Uh, this is where I differ. I have Monk uh, as that third guy, kind of producer off the bench, and then Michael Carter Williams. Then at the tenth person as the rotation, I have Graham slash Lamb. I, I'm still undecided as to who I'm going to put. I actually think that out of all the players on our roster that I think will get traded, I think Lamb is probably the most likely. So then that would make my decision a little bit easier and, and have Graham at that 10th spot because I, I do think Graham is going to be uh, heavily involved in the rotation this year. Maybe not early, like I said last episode, but I can see him being part of that 9-slash-10-man rotation. So um, I am guess I'm, I like Lamb, but I, I see him as uh, expendable. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I, I think we're all kind of same, close to the same page here. I think the starting five, if it's not set in stone, it's really close. I guess we could be surprised and they could start Cody over Dwight. It's just it's tough to it's tough to see that happening, especially like right off the bat, opening night, all that sort of stuff. So same starting five, and then yeah, the I think the main guys off the bench will be the MCW Monk, Frank, and and Cody. With Cody being the guy playing the the heavy the, the most minutes, the most kind of high leverage minutes off the bench. Frank's going to get his time and he's going to get his shots. And I'm just trying to be bullish on Monk. I know that Steve Clifford will probably leave me out to dry there, <laughs> at least early on. But I think I'm hoping to see Monk. I, this team needs shooting. It's just it's tough to see to look at the roster and say, man, unless Kemba can hit five step back threes a game and Marv has a bounce back and Frank picks it up, like they just they need they need shooting. You know what you're going to get from Batum? He's going to shoot right at 35 percent. And you know, and shooter. So is Carter Williams, and so is Kid Gilchrist. So uh, I think they need Monk shooting, mm-hmm. especially since they lost Bellinelli and they needed his shooting so badly last season. So I, I think Monk's got to be a part of that. I think the curious thing to watch will be what happens with that backup three. We've talked about this a little bit. Whether it's Lamb, whether it's Trevion, I think Graham looks like a guy that could become a solid three and D type guy, but maybe I'm that's wishful thinking a little bit. And then also just seeing how much Carter Williams and Kemba play together, I think will be really interesting. I listened to an interview with Rich show. He was on Sam Vecini's uh, game theory podcast either today or yesterday. And he talked about how in free agency, when they were looking for a backup guard point guard, they wanted someone that was tall. They could play with Kemba. So, uh, you know, we've talked about that before and it's something that the front office was, was about. And when they were looking for guys, so uh, I'm, I'm interested to keep, I think we know who the nine to 10 guys are going to be. Right. It'll just be interesting to see how Cliff staggers the minutes. I think, Hey, to that point, Brian, I ran a poll on Twitter. Uh, will Michael Carter Williams play more minutes yeah. with or without Kemba for the upcoming season? And 79% said with Kemba off. Uh, when Lynn was part of that team uh, a couple years ago and he was heavily involved in the offense, he actually had more minutes with Kemba than he did without Kemba. I don't know if he necessarily played better with or without. I'm just saying they paired yeah. those two a lot together. And I don't think it was significant minutes or there was some kind of significant upgrade when he played with Kemba. It's just that the flexibility that you can have with Michael Carter-Williams at multiple positions. I've even heard that Michael Carter-Williams shouldn't even be played at the point guard position. Like, that's not his, that's not his true position. Um, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I would actually, that last point you just made, Richie, I would, I'm almost ready to agree with that. Right. Um, but, I, and I'm going to 
I don't know when it's going to come out, but I'm currently constructing a piece on Michael Carter Williams for Queen City Hoops, um, talking about number one, you know, where he can fit with this Hornets rotation, but number two, how vital he is to it, which I think is probably understated at this point. Number one, because the point guard rotation uh, or the point guard depth is so, so thin. But number two, exactly what Rich Cho said. They need a guy who can play with the ball in his hands next to Kimba, not named Nick Batum. Uh, and that guy has to be Michael Carter-Williams. So, like, I don't know that we're going to get the, the same Jeremy Lin effect because it's it's almost it's weird. It's, like, eerie. Their contract structure is almost the same as it, you know, as it was with Lynn, like it's a make good deal. Right. It's like, here's your second chance. You can get back on the market. I'm not saying it's going to end up being as good as it was when we experienced uh, Lynn in Charlotte for a year, but for the Hornets to get to 44, 45, 46 wins, I think it might need to be. So Carter Williams is, is a really, really important piece. Um, all right. So the 11th and 12th spots, just real quickly, guys, we can touch on these. I've got my 11th spot as whoever the th- third point guard is. Uh, Richie, to your point earlier, I did. I had it in my notes here. I think Graham is ready to compete with Lamb. I think early in the season, the Hornets will give Lamb yeah. something that mimics six-man minutes right. because I do think they would like to extract some co- kind of trade value out of him. Um, you know, in a market that looks really, really desolate uh next summer for free agents because there's just not going to be any money out there like the trade deadline is going to be an important time for teams to improve lamb has one more year after this one uh and i think you could approach him if you're a team trying to improve in that way okay let's try this guy one more time so if like the hornets can try lamb out like this new york knicks game from early last season keeps sticking out in my mind i think it was in november where he had like 20 points and 17 rebounds. You know what I mean? Like if you can try to like get a few of those, I was at that Jeremy game. Lamb, it was a worried, okay. game, man. It was God, unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> I looked at my phone. I didn't watch that. Game. Was that the game that Batum got injured and he started uh, for him or did he come off the it, bench? I can't remember. I, I don't it, remember that, but I mean, it's in there. Like, right. that's my point. Like, and I think the Hornets will like try to extract that because to us that follow the Hornets and read about them and, you know, we, we know this team top to bottom. He is the one guy who they would not hesitate trading. Like if he showed something before the deadline. And so I do think they try to extract that out of him before the deadline. And so I think he'll get the minutes early, but I agree with you come late season. And in the playoffs, if the Hornets make it there, I think Travion Graham could like be that guy at that backup spot. And I think he's ready to be. Uh, I'm with you. And, and Lamb has some interesting, I, I pulled this up a couple weeks ago. Lamb, 68% field goal percent percentage in the restricted uh, area. Um, shot 44% and drew a lot of fouls out of the pick and roll. Scored 1.5 points per possession on cuts. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he turned the ball over only 8% of the, the time he was a ball handler in the pick and roll this past season. Um, you know, a little shaky on catch and shoot threes, 9 of 47, which is pretty, pretty terrible, uh, 19%. Any but type he, of threes, really. Yeah, yeah, and it's just one of those things that, for whatever reason, it doesn't. Maybe I'm thinking of two seasons ago a little bit too much, but man, it just doesn't seem like Clifford trusts him all that often. I know he was a more regular part of the rotation this past season, but I just get the feeling as soon as a better option comes along, like Clifford is going to be so psyched, and I think he likes Trevion too. He's going to be so psyched to be like, eh, let's either kick you down the rotation or find a way to 
to uh, to get rid of you. But again, Lamb is he is intriguing because he's a really good defensive rebounder and he can shoot and play out the pick and roll and doesn't turn the ball over that much. He he does some things well. It's just it, there are these holes in his game that are just kind of glaring. And for a backup wing, it's it's just like a, it's it's just a little it's a little perple- it's a little perplexing. But uh, I, we'll see what I, happens with him this year. I'll forever live like the waiters Island. Like I will forever uh, buy real estate on Jeremy lamb Island. Like I'm telling you, I believe in his game. Like I think it, it, what Brian just said, he's a, he's a, not a great shooter, but he's shown flashes. He can play out of the pick and roll. He can play with the ball in his hands. He's a long rangy wing. He just, he checks all the boxes and I, his defensive commitment is an afterthought and that's what drives Clifford crazy. You only have to watch the film for a few seconds. He just, he commits to like two out of every 10 defensive possessions. Like it's obvious, but, and that's what drives Clifford crazy. But, and I get it, but like if, if it ever, if it ever starts going the right way upstairs for Jeremy lamb mentally, like he can really be a special basketball player, but I, you know, I, and that's why the Hornets gave him $21 million. I mean, there's something there, but I, I don't know that it'll ever happen. That yeah, was a won. very early contract too, like very early in his tenure. They 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 hit him right away. after they got him. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. So so that's pretty much our what we think the Hornets rotation should look like. Um, anything else on that? And so then do we'll, you think Bacon uh, is going to be like an inactive, or do you think he'll spend most of the time in Greensboro? I think he starts the season as an inactive. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Also real quickly, uh, Richie, to your point, I pulled up, I'm looking at Lance, uh, less than one point per possession shot, 42%, uh, both kind of eh, not great, but, um, you know, not like a complete, not like a complete disaster either Too 43% true shooting. So not, not horrible. And he was tops on the team in usage when Kemba was off the court, a little under 27%. So not again, not great, but, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a complete disaster when, when Kemba sat and Lynn had to run the show. So that was good. Yeah. That was good. We all, we all agree there. We got some Jeremy lamb vetting out or venting <laughs> rather wrong word venting. Um, all right, let's talk about Bill Simmons. <laughs> And his, I, and, yeah. Hey, look, I, I like Bill Simmons. I listen to his stuff. I mean, I think he, go, I think he gets a little high on his horse every now and then, but he threw out <clears throat> a trade that he thought made the most sense. I'm pretty sure if, if I've read his tweets correctly, um, for the Kyrie Irving, um, bonanza. And so what he's proposed for the Hornets is Nick Batum and Kimball Walker going to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving Channing Fry and Amon Shump. Okay, so let that sink in no, for no, a second. No, it was also an unprotected first going their way as well. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right, it. Richie. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and in a future unprotected, for, oh my God, I hate this. I hate this deal worse than I thought I did. Okay. Um, all right, so let's start here. I'll just explain to you the contract details of these guys coming in to Charlotte. Let's just pretend that this, this deal happens. Okay. So Kyrie Irving's on a two plus one. So he's got two more years in his contract and a player option on his third. Channing Fry is expiring. So that's money coming off. Okay. Awesome. Um, uh, Amon Shumpert okay. is on a one plus one. So one year left and then a player option on the second year. Okay. So let all that sink in. The only positive I could even possibly think about even possibly and Richie, I completely forgot about the unprotected first round pick that we were sending out. 
Um, the only positive I can think of this deal is that you get off Nick Batum's long-term money, but that's assuming that yeah. you actually think Nick Batum's long-term money is that awful. I don't think it's great, but I don't know what the, the narrative uh, across the nation is to thinking Nick Batum is dead salary. Like it's, it's unbelievable to me. So in no form, fashion, universe, does this deal make any sense to me? Like, yes, you get Kyrie Irving. Even if Amon Shumpert turns down his player option after next year, get this. The Hornets still don't have enough. They still can't even get under the salary cap. They're still above the salary cap. So they don't have any financial flexibility to do anything in the summer with Kyrie Irving on your roster where you're actually supposed to be doing something to prove to him you should sign here long term. God. Wow. Yeah. So, like, how. You know what I mean? Like, how does it make sense? It, it actually makes less sense after you talked about it. Because when I saw it, I didn't even think about it. You actually put some thought into it and in terms of looking at the numbers and the money. Uh, I stopped after looking at it. The biggest thing for me, I mean, that uh, everything that you said, Spencer, is great. And, and that, that does make a ton of sense as to why it does just doesn't work out. And it doesn't make sense for the Hornets. Can we say that Kyrie is that much better than Kemba that we're going to be giving up a first-round pick uh, sending Batum their way and then taking on these players that are really not going to be that much of a factor. And first off, I, I think Kimba fits our team, our culture a whole lot better. Our offensive style, you know, the pick and pick and rolls that we run, that is that is Kimba's bread and butter. And we saw that last year with the way that uh, he scored out of the pick and roll. And, uh, you know, Irving's an, an amazing player, uh, isolation type of player. He can get you a bucket uh, if you need it. Uh, defense is, is not there, but you know people view Irving a, as this amazing player. But he, is he is he that much better than Walker? And is he that much better to where we're going to give up that much for him? And I, I would say no. I would definitely say no. And I don't know if it's biased or what. Uh, I I agree. Um, the Kemba, by the way, a little bit better shooting from last year, and a little bit better shooting role. Uh, obviously, Kyrie is superior. The closer you get to the hoop. Uh, the, the, the gap maybe is between Kyrie and Kemba, but Kemba's a decent defensive point guard and Kyrie's like probably one of the 10 worst defensive point In fact, if you're looking at all the, if you're looking at the top 60, 70 point guards in the league, he's, he's in that bottom 10, uh, you know, as far as his defense goes, all the sort of RPM, all those metrics will, will bear that out. Um, the other thing that's kind of funny about that too, is it's like, the Hornets don't have a war chest stocked with first round picks to just be just, just, oh, let's just attach this unprotected first round pick. It, <laughs> it is, there's no general manager in the league that would think that this is anywhere close to a responsible idea. Um, I mean, even if you were to do this deal and attach the pick, it would have to be so heavily protected. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's insane. I admit it would be nice if Batum's deal. Like if it were, if it were, if it had been front loaded, you know, I don't think Nick, I think Nick has told me Nick, Nick's, Nick's contract is fine. It, it doesn't bother me. It, I, it, you got him. Everyone celebrated it when it happened. And I still think it's fine. It'd be nice that they had maybe front loaded the first two years a little bit so that it, it kind of went down from here, but it, that's just the reality of the situation. So I think it just, there's just no way you're not going to trade your first best player and your third best player and an unprotected first round pick. And especially because Kemba's under contract for two more years under what might be the best deal in the league yeah. or certainly one of the best deals in the league. 
for Shumpert, who stinks, by the way, like Shumpert's terrible. Channing Fry, who can't play a lick of defense. I mean, he's, I, I, it's awesome that he's a big guy that can shoot threes. He can't play any defense, can't protect the rim. And Kyrie, who, yeah, he's a one-on-one mom. I mean, he's unstoppable uh-huh. offensively, uh-huh. but like comes with a lot of baggage. I'm not sure the gap is that much wider between he and Kemba. And when you factor in, I know he's two years younger than Kemba, but Kemba also makes half of what Kyrie does, too, or close to half of what Kyrie does, maybe maybe 60%, somewhere in that ball, 12 to 19, 20, whatever. So just the, the deal is laughable, especially once you add in the pick. Um, and, and when you consider, like, what Charlotte's current state of assets is, they just don't – they can't afford to just be reckless like this when – you laugh when you remember that like 10 years ago, Bill Simmons thought he could be a general manager of an NBA team. He like wanted the Bucks GM job back in 2009. You're like, yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> this, is why, this is why this was never, yeah. ever going to be a thing that ever happened. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's certainly funny to laugh at. Um, if they made this deal, it would make me really, really sad because I've just been banging on Shump for being like objectively terrible for the last three seasons too. So it, this deal would make me sad. So I'm glad that I, I don't, I feel confident the Hornets are not going to pull the uh, the lever on this one. So I actually literally wrote down the only reason, and it's kind of hard to imagine with some of the opinions that are out there about Kyrie Irving, because some people legitimately believe, you know, he could be a superstar. Like he could be the top dog on yeah. a team that played in the NBA finals. Um, I don't know if anyone's been bold enough to come out and say like, here's the top dog on a team that wins the NBA finals. Yeah. But yeah. the only, like the only reason like the Hornets would make a deal like this would be because here's the deal. What I said just a minute ago, not only does it not create financial flexibility and opportunity for the Hornets next summer, the summer after that, when way more contracts actually come off the books for Charlotte, they still can't create max cap space because of Kyrie's, Kyrie Irving's $30 million cap hold. So you still like you still can't make it up to him and be like, hey, man, it's the Gordon Hayward situation in, in Utah all over again. You have mm-hmm. his huge cap hold in the – well, probably different. I don't, I don't know if Utah actually had a massive cap hold for Hayward on there, but the yeah. Hornets will be handcuffed because of Kyrie's cap hold while trying to prove to him, here's what we're going to do to keep you, to, to keep you, to convince you to stay here. It's just so stupid in yeah. every single facet of the idea. But not only that, like the only way they do this deal is if MJ said, look, I want to sell jerseys. I want to put more butts in the seats. I want to be on national television more. You know, I want you know, all these kinds of things because Kyrie Irving would help you do that. Would, when you, when you would. actually talk about building an NBA team, that's going to be number one, more competitive. Uh, and number two, better in the future from a lot of different facets. This trade doesn't do it for Charlotte. Mm. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, that that's well said. So, anyways, and so when you compare Kyrie and Kemba, because you guys did a, a, a nice job talking about that, I think I looked at the numbers today. I compared the two in a lot of different um, forms and fashions. I thought Basketball Reference really gave me the best idea. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue that Kimba is a better player than Kyrie Irving. Right. Um, I, I think no matter how you run it through the vacuum, Kyrie probably comes out a little bit more uh, of a higher value player. I mean, he's a better shooter than Kimba. He has a better at- assist percentage over his career than Kimba. He has a higher usage rate than Kimba. Uh, he has a better win shares. And then really the one statistic that I think the VORP 
statistic, the value over replacement player. I really like that one, always have. That one's almost even. So Kyrie's about 43.7. Kim is about 42.6. So really that's saying how many wins they're worth over what a repl- like an average NBA player would mm-hmm. be. And that was close enough to make me think, okay, these two guys are actually pretty even. And, and, and I think that stat is the best one to give you like all the stats that people throw at and you see on the internet, like that's, that's one of my favorites to kind of put them all into one, one thing and, and give you a good, um, a good number of what the player really is. The only stat Kimba is actually superior in is probably turnover ratio, which he's really the best point guard in the league year after year that plays massive minutes. I mean, he just takes care of the ball so well, but I think Kyrie's the better player, but but yeah. I think we all agree he's not worth the trade here. And, and that low turnover rate is perfect for Cliff Ball too. So yeah, looking at this on uh, the pick and roll last season, uh, Kemba with an effective field goal percentage of fifty point one, Kyrie fifty point seven, and that's Kyrie getting to play with Kevin Love standing in the corner and LeBron over there and Cleveland's arsenal of shooters. This is Kemba going you know, you know one on five. Uh, both shot a little bit over 35% on pull-up threes. Kemba was a little bit further, uh, a little bit ahead of Kyrie. And then again, like I said, Kyrie obviously has the edge, you know, at the, at the hoop or whatever. Um, there was one other thing I had pulled up. Yeah, this was, this is season. This is Kemba against Cleveland with Kyrie on the court. I can't remember if Kyrie was like the primary defender on him or if they used like Shumpert or something like that, but 74 minutes Kemba versus Kyrie. Kemba shot 51% from the field, 60% on threes, scored at a rate of 25 points for 36 minutes with a 26% usage rate. So Kemba, it's one of those, I was looking at a bunch of these yesterday, like against any of the elite point guards in the East, man, Kemba went at all of these dudes and put up great numbers. So, um, that doesn't, I don't know if that adds much to the, the Kemba versus Kyrie uh, debate. I think it's closer than a lot of national people do. And I feel like when I say that, I get branded as being like a homer right. or being like you said, and just like, no, no, no. Like I'm trying to be as objective as possible. And I'm looking at like spreadsheets and stuff when I do this. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're, they're both, again, I think three is the slight edge, um, but it's close, closer than I think most people would think. Yeah. And I, and I think, I, I think outsiders would actually view us as homers and, and they're probably laughing at us right now for kind of turning down this trade. But you know, all, all the numbers aside, I think fit and style in terms of Walker's play just fits so much more seamlessly with our team than, than Kyrie. I mean, I don't know if Kyrie can adjust to, to being a non-isolation player. Ky- Walker plays very well off-ball as well. He's in the 96th percentile yeah. in spot-up situations. So He was the... Kem, I mean, Kemble was legitimately like one of the best catch and shoot guys. Like he was better right. than Clay and Redick this year on, on catch and shoot. Not as many attempts, obviously, but he was in one. Like he was one of the like best, probably ten, twelve guys on catch and shoot three. Maybe even maybe even more than maybe the best top five guys on catch and shoot threes this year. The other thing too about Kyrie, as much fun as it is to see him go one on one and shoot twenty six foot fadeaways and cook dudes off the dribble, it's it's a lot less fun when the ball doesn't go in. And so it's like everything's great when he's when he's going nuts against te- against teams, and it's like uh, you forget the other sixty percent of the time when the shot doesn't go in, and then he doesn't get back on defense, and you know Clifford's gonna would just you can just see his head exploding uh, off his shoulders. So um, I, Kyrie is an incredible talent, an incredible player, and I, if he gets his own team, it'll be certainly be fun, entertaining to watch. Um, I'm just not willing to give up 
those pieces to get to, to bring that to Charlotte. Right. All right. We all got that out of our system. We're not going to have that conversation again. This trade is not going to happen. I cannot imagine a universe in where exactly what Brian just said, Steve Clifford okaying this trade. And not that Steve, Cl- Steve Clifford has to okay this trade, but look, the Hornets are locked into winning now. So why he wouldn't be involved really in the decision-making uh, would be a little bit perplexing. So I-, I would give this the chance of this trade happening, regardless of how much sense you think it might make, mm-hmm. about a zero a point zero one percent chance. So uh, that'll be the last you'll hear about that on BuzzBeat Radio. But we did address it, so look at that. Actually, Richie, let, we need to plug a, p- a piece while we're kind of talking about Kimba. Yeah. Um, our main man, Mark B, um, he is at Hornet uh, Hornet Sports Spot on Twitter. Got to give him a follow. Um, he, he's an awesome follow. He's very, he's a very passionate Hornets fan that passionate, lives on the yes. West Coast. Passionate, passionate. Loves to get in Twitter arguments and, and just holds down the <laughs> fort for all of us. But <laughs> I mean, I love at the end of my day, I'll be laying in bed or something right before I go to sleep. I'll just like go on his feed and read like who he was fighting with that day. Cause that guy will battle for the Hornets day in day out. And you gotta love it. I mean, yeah. Mark, Mark B is a, uh, he's a passionate Hornets guy. He's a great writer on queen city hoops. And he wrote an article a few weeks back called, uh, where is the love for Kimba? Got a lot of love, quite frankly, on Queen City Hoops. Got a lot of reads. If you haven't read that yet, go read it. He made some great points about why Kimba uh, is undervalued, and a lot of that kind of stemmed from this Kyrie Irving right. stuff that we need to put to bed. So um, please go read that if you haven't already, because Mark B does good stuff, and uh, we appreciate what he does for GCH. Um, all right, we got a Twitter question, right, Richie? Yes, we do. Uh, from at Patrick Connor Seven. Uh, he's a frequent twitter question asker i don't know if that's the right term there but uh i'm not much of a uh, nba 2k player uh but he asked will dwight howard's rating be higher than 81 in the next installment of nba 2k so nba 2k 19 after this season so i guess what he's asking is you know may- maybe will he have a rebirth in charlotte will he play better here in charlotte i don't necessarily play he thought he played bad last year with atlanta uh but currently he's rated 81 does he think that that rating is going to go up do you guys play video games at all or no yeah i'm not yeah i'm not a big video 2k guy so brian we'll say this one to you yeah i, I hate to say the kate to be the the third uh party pooper here but yeah not much of a 2k guy if i play video games now it's usually fifa or tiger i do think to frame this question uh in a slightly different way I would love to play with Dwight Howard and Kemba Walker on NBA Jam or NBA Hate yeah. Time. That's maybe a little more up my up my alley. But uh, as far as just trying to like maybe try attempt to answer this question, um, I don't know if like Dwight's counting stats, like rebounds and points, are going to stay. I don't think he's going to average a double double next season. I just don't think he's going to play uh, play quite enough minutes, and, and so I don't know necessarily how they grade those things. But I do think Dwight could have. I do think some of his kind of efficiency numbers and advanced numbers could be pretty good and could maybe even be better than what he did in Atlanta last year, even though, you know, he's a year old or whatever. So if 2K takes that into consideration, I know the game is pretty realistic. Yeah. Then yeah, maybe climb above uh, an 81. If they're, if they're looking at more box score stuff, uh, I could see maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it drops a little bit, but uh, we'll see. And again, I would totally play with he and Kemba on NBA Jam. I want that uh, on the record. And I also say shout out Hayes Permar, the one of the main guys Sports Channel Late. 
will beat anybody in NBA Jam. He is uh, a savant when it comes to it comes to NBA Jam. So I don't know if that helps answer the question at all, but I took my stab at it. Yeah, no, I'm similar to you, bro. And I, I, I can't speak much to NBA 2K, uh, Patrick. I like the question. It's a fun question. Um, here's what I'll tell you. If Dwight Howard commits to sprinting to set screens next season and then sprinting to the rim and, and stop believing that he's a post-up player in the NBA, he will be on a team that wins about 48 to 50 wins. Yeah, let me repeat that. If Dwight Howard does those things – he would be an efficient basketball player. He would score about, I don't know, 12 points a game, grab about nine or 10 rebounds and be on a 48 to 50 win team. And I think those variables probably mean that his NBA 2K rating go up, whether or not he scores uh, as many points as he has over his career or grabs as many rebounds as he has over his career. He's going to share minutes with, with Cody Zeller. He's going to watch a guy in Zeller. And now he's with a coach who, quote unquote, knows him the best and can get to him. Mm-hmm. If Dwight Howard does not, not understand that it's time to stop posting up and it's time to be the best pick and roll player that you can possibly be, yeah. then he, he's, he's going to die. Like this is his Charlotte. Don't take this Dwight Howard. Don't, if you listen to this podcast, don't take this literally, obviously, but <laughs> this will be your, your resting place. If yeah. you do not understand that you have to become a pick and roll player now and in a rim protector on the defensive end, if you insist on keep posting up because I was blown away when I went and looked at the numbers and how many times he was an isolation player around the basket last season. It's absolutely mind boggling. That won't happen in Charlotte. Steve Clifford won't let it happen. I have enough faith in Clifford to believe that if Dwight Howard buys into that becomes a good pick and roll player, the Hornets can win 50 games next season. I really believe that. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I I agree. Uh, I think it's good. And cause Cody, Cody never posts up. So I'm hoping they just, they keep Dwight on that same sort of diet of touches. And if that's the, ha- that's the case, then uh, I think he could have a nice, a nice efficient year in the half court. Yeah. Who would have thought that Dwight Howard would be learning from Cody? Cause that, that's who he needs to be learning from. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say too, I'll, I'll kick this out real quickly. Kevin Pelton put out his, uh, his like win production. Projection totals for the from over at ESPN Insider put out his win projection totals. Um, I won't run through everybody, but he has the Hornets projected to win 44 games and finish in the fifth seed. But you know that that comes with a million different caveats, including he has Cleveland set to win 49 games, and that's factoring in if Kyrie Irving plays for the Cavaliers too. It's just crazy because he has 10 teams in the West winning 44 games, wow. like one like Golden State through Portland. But uh, but yeah, he thinks the Hornets are going to bounce back. He was projecting them to uh, to make the playoffs this year. So we uh, we shall see. I actually think uh, I, I kind of agree with uh, with Spence. I think they could probably win closer to high forties, closer to fifty games this Ooh. year. I I kind of like that forty four wins, but I think I think that's realistic. Um, I mean, I'm yeah. sure we can shoot up in the, in the high forties, but I, I just don't see it. And it's interesting. He has the Raptors below us at the sixth spot yeah. with uh, forty three yeah. wins. Um, yeah, and to kind of round that out: seven Heat, eight Pistons. And there's a huge drop off between Miami at seven and yeah. Detroit, like a seven win, more than seven win drop off between the Heat at seven and the Pistons at eight. He has nobody in the East projected to win more than forty nine games, too, which is just uh, it's uh, the East is cur- it's up in the air. Yeah, it's, East is so weird this year. I mean, Hornets could totally, you know, they could, they could. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like I'm drinking the, the teal Kool-Aid a little bit too much here, but 
I, you know, I think that I think that four seed is is a possibility too. So uh, that'll be interesting to see if they get good Dwight Howard this year. That becomes much more of a, a realistic scenario. I'll tell you what. I, I think the 76ers are are going to be the eighth seed. That's that, that's my bold prediction for the year. Oh, that would be that would be fun I if think, they can get yeah. if they can get if those guys can stay healthy and you know who knows how good Fultz and Simmons are. Uh, um, obviously, Embiid's a monster, and you know we'll see what they flip Okafor for as well. Assuming that. JJ. Yeah, it's just true. Yeah, they did, and and um, Sarich is great too. So we'll see. They'll they're, they'll certainly be fun to watch this year. A lot of people um, expect more from the Sixers. I mean, I, if you ask certain folks, they would think the eight seed is actually low. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of with you, Brian. I'm watching you right now. I, yeah, I, I fully expect them to probably miss the playoffs. I really do. I think Detroit, for example, is a little better than they are. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see it, The Eastern conference is going to be fun. I it's, it's not good. Uh, there are a whole lot of teams trying to tank in the East. So <laughs> there's realistically like literally there's tops nine teams that are in the playoff hunt next season, which is going to make it a little less fun. But, uh, I think all eight of those teams will be very competitive hmm, on a night to night basis. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, well, guys, I think we've pretty much covered everything. We've got about seven weeks now until training camps open. So I think we've pretty much reached the dead point uh, here of the NBA season. We will be back on, obviously, before training camps. Uh, not quite sure how often between now and training camp. Hoping for, you know, we need to come up with some fun ideas, what we need to do. And we will do that. Uh, but pre- expect us every two weeks, probably. Uh, here leading up to training camp. Uh, Richie, anything we missed? The only thing that we missed was the, the, the uniform reveal. Um, I mean, it's not, uh, that, it's not that big oh. of a deal. Uh, they didn't make too many changes to the actual the jersey in terms of the design. I, I know that the, the Nike uniform probably has a different cut or whatever, uh, but they did unveil. They're not called the home and away anymore. It's called the association and the icon. So they, they unveiled the white and the teal. Now, teal is going to be our primary I guess away color, quote unquote. Uh, they're kind of doing away with the purple as the away color, but I think the reason that they're doing this is because they're now that the NBA allows, uh, you know, home teams to choose the color of, of of their their liking, and I think that we're probably going to see the teal a lot at home. But uh, there's rumors out there that we're going to get a fifth uniform, so that means it's likely going to be that retro pinstripe, which I'm pretty sure is going to be the one that's released for our fifth uniform. Yeah, it, it seems that way. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I could, I'm one of those guys that could care less right. really what the uniforms look like. The, the one thing that perturbed me was that the Hornets marketing department, <laughs> PR department made, made this, this awesome promo video that made, you know, just fired the fan base up. And then they showed us effectively what were the exact same jerseys of last season, <laughs> except with, with the, the Jordan logo right, on right. it. It was just like, really? Like, you guys don't have anything better to do with your time. Like, if you're going to put that promo video together, then show us something that would excite us. Like, it was just, yeah. anyways, that was just me venting for a second. I have nothing else to add to the uniforms. Right. I mean, I wasn't expecting major changes to the uniform, but the way that they were hyping it, it almost seemed like there was going to be, or they maybe they were going to unveil all five. But I guess NBA teams aren't doing that, and they're kind of taking their time with it. So I'm sure we'll see a purple one. I'll sure, I'm sure we'll see a black one. And then that fifth one will probably be the retro. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a jersey. All right. Well, good stuff, guys. Um, I did miss the uniform stuff. Thank you, Richie, for reminding me there. Um, but that was a great pod, uh, or a great show, rather. 
Um, and again, we'll be back probably here in a few weeks, guys. Thank you for listening. We appreciate, uh, everybody that have stuck with us through 33 episodes now, which, wow, it's hard to believe. Uh, thank you, Richie. Thank you, BG. Thank you, sports channel eight, our good friends from over there. Again, if you haven't checked it out, please go check them out and do not forget. We are a proud member of the almighty baller radio network. So check out almightyballer.com for everything covering the NBA. For Spencer, that's Richie, that's Brian. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.